said amen. All right. Thank you, guys, for such an amazing, amazing ministry and song. Um, appreciate that so very, very much. It really sets our heart toward worship and praise. So thank you, guys, for that. Uh, typically, this first Sunday morning of December, uh, Miss Peggy Dent would be standing up here in front of you sharing a little bit about our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, she's not able to be here this morning, so hopefully next Sunday morning she'll be able to share with you a little bit more in depth. But uh, as you leave today, you'll receive a reminder. Uh, our Lottie Moon offering is certainly named after uh, one of our Southern Baptist missionaries, Miss Lottie Moon. And uh, as a reminder of that, we're going to hand you a moon pie. So that ought to be easy to remember, right? With the name of a missionary, and uh, these missionaries are our international missionaries. And uh, they uh, serve faithfully uh, in the, the calling that God has given them. They look for us as churches and Southern Baptist Convention to support them. And each year we spend the month of December focused on an offering for them. So I want to encourage you to do that. There's a prayer guide in your bulletin that has uh, eight different days of prayer. So if you would take that guide... And use that this week in your devotional time to be able to share and lift up the names and the work of these missionaries that's, that's happening. Uh, as we sit here and worship somewhere around the world, there's a Southern Baptist missionary faithfully serving the Lord. Maybe at this particular time, they're sh- sitting with someone face-to-face sharing the gospel. Uh, we don't know. But without our continued support, they can't do any of those things. And so as... Uh, as a, a believer in our mission efforts in our Southern Baptist Convention, uh, let me just encourage you to please consider uh, giving a gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Uh, share it with your kids, your grandkids, what it means, why you're doing it, and let them be a part of it as well. And so there's envelopes in the back of the pew. They'll be there this month. So if you'd like to give in that particular way, you can just put your gift in that envelope and share it. So thank you. But more than anything else, if there were any of these missionaries able to be here with us this morning, uh, they would tell you first and foremost to pray for them. So I want to encourage you to do that, to uh, lift them up in prayer. And I know they'll appreciate that so very much. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and I want to continue on some thoughts about the celebration of our uh, Christmas uh, time as we look at the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing gift from God. Uh, Not only is He amazing, but how He got here is amazing also, isn't it? Uh, The Scripture reveals His unique birth and uh, certainly His unique person as well. Uh, But I want to share with you a little bit this morning uh, as we look at it from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67, it's the account of Zacharias. You may re- remember him. He's um, John the Baptist's father. And he received from the Lord the message not only about Jesus uh, coming, but about his own son and the uniqueness of his son, John the Baptist. How that he would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He would be the one who would announce the coming of the Messiah. So just before Jesus began his public ministry, John began to proclaim, prepare yourself for the kingdom of God. John's message was one of repentance. John would preach repentance, 
turning your life, your heart to God, dedicating your life and your heart to God. And he would follow that up with baptizing people. And so uh, John was continually found along the Jordan River where he was preaching to great multitudes. These guys were so interested in the message that John had to uh, share that they would come from far away, from Jerusalem, from Galilee, all those areas, just to hear John preach and to repent and to turn uh, to uh, seek God. Now, John was preaching this message in preparation for God's coming, the Lord Jesus Christ to come. And so when he would preach about preparation, what he was preaching about was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and certainly Jesus would come. And so when John's father, Zechariah, received the message about Jesus, it, it was kind of unique. He was, you know, the story he was serving in the temple. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, gave him the message, uh, and uh, Zacharias was, uh, he, he was kind of shocked by it. Uh, and uh, because of that, uh, the, the Lord kind of wouldn't let him speak for a long period of time. And so he came out of the temple and he couldn't speak. And the people assumed, well, God's done something in his life. And uh, sure enough, he and his wife, Elizabeth have a, have a son, John, and then following that, Jesus would come. And then all of a sudden, Zacharias could speak. And boy, did he have a lot to say. I, I know some of you personally, and if you couldn't speak for several months and all of a sudden you could speak, I can't imagine the flood of joy that might come from you because of how long it had been since you spoke. And so Zacharias spoke. But the good thing also about Zacharias, he spoke by inspiration of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was in him, speaking through him, this great message of Jesus Christ. And so that's, with all that said, I wanted to get to this place and share with you a message about a servant's prophecy of, for Christmas. What did he have to say? What did God give him to say? And why is that so important to you and I this morning? Follow along with me, if you would, at Luke chapter 1. Let's begin at verse 67. The scripture says this, For his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to redeem his holy covenant, the oath with which he swore our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him with, without fear." In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And your child, and you child, uh, will be called the prophet and the highest, uh, for the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Pray with me if you would this morning. Father, we are so thankful today that God, you have, you have chosen 
to show each of us here this morning mercy and grace. To give us an understanding of your love for us through the birth of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that as we consider your word, that, Lord, we would understand what it is to hear this good news, to be the recipients of a message that transforms a human's life, that brings hope from despair, that gives us promise of a future when there seems to be no future and Lord saves our life Father I pray this morning that you remind us of all that Jesus came to do and all that he is as we celebrate this Christmas season in his name I pray Amen you know as you hear the message that Zacharias has it's certainly a message that if we think about it, that at the core of it, this prophecy discloses salvation. Uh, that what Zacharias had to say, not only about his son, who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, but also about the Savior himself, that, that it shows us what salvation is, what importance that this message of Christ's coming, his life, uh, his teachings, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection... All those things have uh, to us the hope of salvation. You know, when we look at Scripture and we talk about the essence of faith or the subject of our faith, it's always Jesus Christ, isn't it? I mean, there's no other than Jesus Christ. That He's the focus of, of everything when it comes to Christian faith and Christian life. And so, Zacharias gives us some understanding about that very thing when this prophecy discloses our salvation to us. First of all, if you look with me, in, in that disclosure, there's the, the understanding of the promise of salvation. That God has promised us salvation. When Zacharias was speaking, Christ uh, hadn't died yet. He, he hadn't given up his life yet. But as sure as, as he was born, that's how sure that he would be to go to the cross and die for us. And so Zacharias reminds us of that very thing, this promise of salvation. Look at verse 86. Um, uh, toward the end it says, For he has visited and redeemed his people. You see, he speaks about this redemption, doesn't he? A couple of things about it. First of all, he came to redeem his people. Uh, the scripture reminds us of that very thing. You know, the word redemption simply means to set free by paying a price. That when Jesus came to redeem us, he set us free from our bondage of sin by paying a price. You see, our sin caused you and I to incur a debt. And that debt we can't pay. And what the message of Jesus Christ is, is that God satisfies that debt for us by giving His own Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. That's what we have as believers, this paid-for salvation. You know, a lot of times we look at salvation and we say, oh, salvation's free. And salvation's free, but the reason it's free is because it's been paid for. It's been paid for by the very blood of Jesus Christ. 
And so when we celebrate this holiday season, we rejoice in God about our salvation. And we sing these wonderful Christmas songs. Remember that we have the right to do that because Jesus Christ died for our sins. He redeems his people. The good news is that that payment for our sin debt has, has limitless value to it. In other words, there's not enough sins that you and I have ever committed that can exhaust the payment that Jesus Christ made for our sins. Doesn't matter how great or how many that the blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins away. John called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You see, his death can restore whoever calls on his name. That's why we go tell it on the mountain, isn't it? Because his blood can pay for all of our sins. He goes on and says in verse 69, he says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. You see, raised up a horn of salvation. A horn is symbolic in Scripture, and it always represents power or strength. If you look at the picture in Revelation of Jesus in chapter 5, you see him pictured as Christ having seven horns. In other words, all power. Seven's complete, and horn's power, so Jesus is all-powerful. So when it comes to salvation... It's not enough just to believe that Jesus wants to save us. It's also necessary that you and I believe that Jesus can save us. You see, I believe He wants to save us. And I know He can save us. I I know that His sacrifice is, is all that we need. The cross is enough for you and I to be be born into the family of God. To become a child of God. Uh, to, to belong to Him. And so, Zacharias disclosed this promise of salvation. It's for, for anyone who will call on His name. He goes on and he, he gives us something else in this disclosure. Not only the promise of salvation, but if you look in verse 71, he talks about again the power of salvation. What, what, what kind of effect does salvation have on us? You know, I, I really think that it's always a good thing to, as we examine the Word of God or we consider it, is that we look at it in the sense of not only what does it mean, but what does it do? You know, what kind of effect, if I look at this passage of Scripture, what kind of effect does that has, have on me if I accept it and believe it? Or, or if I choose to live it out? And so he talks about this, the power of salvation here. He says that we should, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies. That's the power of salvation. You say, well, Brother Mike, what do you mean by enemies? You know, the Bible kind of outlines some enemies that that all of us have. That we really need to be saved from. And let me just say in all kindness that I can this morning that one of the things that we need to be saved of is from ourselves. 
We, we need to be saved from our, our selfishness and our self-centeredness. You see, self is just the patterns of control and the patterns of corruption that each of us have. I mean, we're all born with it. We have these tendencies to want to just ignore what God says and go about our life. We, we have the, the patterns and the tendencies to want to always make everything about us. And so one of the things that Jesus Christ rescues us from are those enemies that we have is really sometimes our own self. Where sometimes the saying is really true, we're our own worst enemy. But yet in Christ, we can have victory over even those patterns and those habits and that nature that we're all born with. Paul said it like this in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, listen, this enemy of self, I can't deal with. I can't deal with this nature. I can't deal with these patterns. I can't overcome those on my own. So what I've found is that I've died with Christ. And His life, He lives through me. And that life that I now live, not the life I used to live, but the life that I live now, I live by faith In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Jesus came and died to rescue us, save us from our enemy. And sometimes that enemy is ourself. Now, we have another enemy also. Not only self, but we have one defined in the Bible. His name's Satan. We all struggle He's always against you and I growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. He's always opposed to God's work. He's always opposed to salvation. The message of the gospel, people hearing about Jesus Christ, he's always in opposition against those things. Look at verse 71. It says at the end of verse 71, he says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Let me tell you, Satan hates us. He doesn't have a strong dislike for believers. Or he doesn't have an infinity dislike for believers. He hates you. The Bible says that his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And and so he, he doesn't just not like us. He hates us. But yet in the power of Jesus Christ, we can overcome him. You see, in Revelation, Revelation is really the account of Scripture or the future events that are going to happen in the time of tribulation. And in the time of tribulation, in a sense, God's going to step back just a little bit and give Satan even more free reign than he has now. Can you imagine that? You think he's bad now. He, he's, he's really on a leash to some degree. But yet, there, there's coming a time when God's really going to kind of set him free. And if you read the book of Revelation, you're going to see that all... The chaos, the pain, the destruction is going to be uh, amplified in the time of Revelation. The Bible calls it the times of Jacob's troubles. 
Jesus describes a time on earth that's never been or never will be again. And, and Satan's going to be behind that pain and that suffering. And, and so in Revelation, there's a passage of Scripture in, in chapter 12, verse 11, where it says that the believers in the time of Revelation, how they, how they were able to endure and overcome. Now listen, let me just say to you, if they can endure and overcome in the times of this increased persecution, hatred of Satan, then certainly we ought to listen to what advice they have and, and really apply it to our lives today, right? Listen to what they said. And they are the saints, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their lives to the death. You see, Revelation says that they overcame in a future sense. They will overcome to you and I. They will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, a faith and a confidence in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. That, that te- you know what the testimony is? It's, it's a remembrance of something that God's done for us. God done anything for you? Then when your enemy Satan comes against you, remember what God's done for you. How he may have pulled you out of the fire more than once. How he might have rescued you out of despair, discouragement heartache, those times that he's done that, as we reflect on those times, we find the strength. And it says that they overcame him also. They didn't fear. But instead of fear, they loved. Because perfect love casts out fear. And so they overcame him. So our enemy, Satan, uh, we can overcome him by Jesus Christ. And And then a third enemy that we have, is not only self and Satan, but this, this system that the world is controlled by today. You notice that? Surely you guys are seeing that, right? I mean, you, you're seeing the world that's ordered in such a way that it opposes the things of God and lifts up the things that are unrighteous. I mean, you don't have to look very far. I mean, you see... You see you, you talk, we talk about things that are systematic or systemic. Let me tell you, evil is systematic. And it has a philosophy and it has a plan and it's working in our world today. Paul called it lawlessness in Second Thessalonians. And he says that lawlessness is at work today. And we have to stand in faith in Jesus Christ to be able to overcome those things. So you see, the prophecy of Zacharias really discloses our salvation. That, that you and I, that, that salvation, not, not only in the sense is, is a promise, but the sa- salvation that we have has great power. But also, if you'll think with me and consider that this message of salvation that Zacharias is disclosing has a purpose. Uh, and, and he describes some of that purpose. And, and in, in verse 72 uh, and following, in verse 73, one of the things that the purpose of salvation has, it shows the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It shows his character. So from salvation, we can see who God is. If we look at the cross and 
understand that it's Jesus dying, not because he had to, but because he voluntarily gave his life. How much can we understand about Jesus Christ? Well, certainly one of those things we can know about him, that he's merciful, isn't he? Because he's there for us. He's doing what we should have gone through. And so he's merciful. Listen to what Zacharias, the Bible says, verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. What is Jesus Christ doing in salvation, dying on the cross for us, if not showing you and I mercy and grace? So in this understanding of salvation, one thing that we know about God, that he's awful good, isn't he? I mean, who's better than that? Who's treated us better than the Lord Jesus Christ? No one. You know, sometimes I think about my, my life when I make excuses for not, knowing, for not doing what I know God really wants me to do. You know, there's some things that we, we know that we're, you know, we ought to do for the Lord, and we, we can really get creative about our excuses about it. Uh, but, but, you know, one, uh, the test that I found that, that really brings forward the truth every time is that if I make an excuse for not doing something that I know I need to do for Jesus Christ, then, then I just attach value to it. Um. You know, in, in, in other words, you know, if I was, look, I hadn't always been a preacher, right? Uh, I, I used, you know, I, I used to not be a preacher. <laughs> I was a Christian, but I wasn't a preacher. And sometimes we'd get up, we had two small children, we'd say, oh, Jackie, do, you, do we need to go to church this morning? Now I know I'm preaching the choir this morning. <laughs> do I need to go to church this morning? You know, maybe, maybe I've got some work I need to do. I need to work on my job stuff a little bit today. And so I begin, you know, maybe I'm kind of justifying not going to church. And I begin to think about, you know what? I've never had a job that's done more for me than Jesus Christ. I mean, I've had some great jobs. But I've never had one that's done more for me than Jesus Christ. Or I think about, you know, I could be out here kind of, you know, I'd be playing some golf. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful day. It's summer. And I'd be doing, and, and then all of a sudden, here it goes, you know. There's no activity I've ever done that's more important to me than what Jesus Christ did for me. And so when I evaluate life in that way, I find out it all comes back to Him. His mercy. His goodness for me. And so it has a way of washing those excuses away. Because it shows me his character, his love for me. If you look a little bit further in verse 74, not only does it show his character, but it secures our, our confidence. You know, let's be honest with each other. Sometimes we're not very confident, are we? I mean, sometimes we're just downright doubters or we're uncertain or we're not sure. And so what does salvation do? It shores up our confidence. It says in verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. That's confidence, isn't it? That's why Jesus Christ died for us. Not that so we continue to live in uncertainty. I, I don't question what's going to happen to me when I leave this life. Uh, I, I don't question the power of God because for a lot of reasons, but one of those being his resurrection. And so when I see what Jesus Christ overcame to save me, then, you know, in my mind, I can understand that whatever he puts before me, I can overcome in that same power. 
And so that gives me confidence. There's great confidence in, in the resurrection, Jesus Christ. Right? If death could not win, then what can? If I'm alive in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is alive, then what can overcome me? That's confidence, isn't it? That's what we have through our salvation that He gives to us. But also, if you look at verse 75, it sustains our consistency. One of the hardest things in the Christian life is being consistent, isn't it? Man, there'll be days where I'm on. I mean, I'm witnessing, I'm sharing the gospel, and I, I'm, you know, I, I'm on the mountaintop, and everything's going great, and there's all these kind of things, and, and I'm just being obedient. And then, boy, there's those days that I'm just awful. I know you guys aren't like that. I mean, I've got these bad attitudes, and, uh, you know, I'm angry at the world, and, and, and uh, generally not the world, but the people in it, and, and so... So we have those times, don't we? The idea is living in Christ is, is, is consistency. It says in verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Now what does that call for? That calls for consistency, doesn't it? All the days of our life. Not, not just the odd days. <laughs> uh, but all the days of our life. And Christ gives us that consistency. You see, all these things are part of the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And Zacharias discloses those very things. And for that, we give God thanks. Now, there's some more of this message, and I want to share it with you next week if you'll come back. Because we don't have enough time for me to finish it this morning. (laughs) So this is part two next week. But it's really about... The salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. About how in Him we are made whole. Because of His love for us. And the babe that was born in Bethlehem. That we celebrate over this Christmas season. Is the real cause for you and I. To rejoice in the Lord. Bow with me and let's pray together. Father in heaven, I am so thankful today to be able to rejoice in your salvation. Because, Lord Jesus, there's no one that's done for us what you've done for us. There's no one that's loved us the way that you've loved us. Cared about us the way you care about us. And shown us that love that you have for us. By dying on a cross taking our sins on Yourself, being our substitute. Thank You as we celebrate this season and rejoice in Your birth that we remember what it means. In Your name I pray. Amen. I invite you to stand if you would this morning as we stand together. Sing a verse or so of an invitation this morning.